another episode of Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy, and I'm going to be completely transparent with you all from the start. This is a heavy episode. Um, I'm going to talk about Black Lives Matter, police brutality, and later in this episode, my guest and I will be discussing some um, difficult subjects like abuse and trauma, so please take note of that going forward into this episode. This last week has been outright horrifying. At least, I, I can't even count, there were so many black lives taken by police across the country, from George Floyd in Minneapolis to Tony McDade in Tallahassee, and these are just the ones that we know about. These were outright murders. 
protesters are speaking up and fighting back in ways that are forcing the country to grapple with the crimes that our racist system enables. According to Mapping Police Violence, black people were 24% of those killed by the police forces despite being only 13% of the population. Black people are three times more likely to be killed by police than any other racial group. The facts really just speak for themselves here. I mean, from 2013 to 2019, 99% of these killings go without any charges to the officers. And they are killed for nonviolent crimes like holding a cell phone, holding a $20 bill. And meanwhile, we have white terrorists who killed a dozen or more people and they live to stand trial, just take that in for a moment. I cannot overstate more that our entire law enforcement system is broken, and I don't think it was ever good to begin with. Police have been used for centuries now in America to oppress the black community, and it's now 2020 that we have the technology that prevents the privileged from looking away anymore. Accessing resources, crowdfunding, and petitions could literally not get any easier. My point here is that we can all act. We can all use our ways of communicating to stand up. You can make an impact on your platform, whether that's social media, if you're somebody who makes any kind of content, whatever you do. You can phone bank your representatives. You can show up at a protest. Most importantly, if you are a person of privilege and are white, you can talk to your friends and family and make sure that they see the injustices happening and that they help too. Just please do something at this point. It's 2020 and there are no more excuses. We all know about racial injustice, it's everywhere. To not know and not care to me is just willful ignorance. You're choosing to not pay attention, you're choosing not to act, and you're choosing to not care, period. And it's our jobs to educate ourselves speak up and most importantly elevate the voices of the marginalized do not talk over them do not tell people how to grieve do not tell them how to act this is not your moment my podcast exists to give a platform to those who are left out of the mainstream due to their race gender sexual preference ability anybody who's left on the margins of society and that's not going anywhere. It's important to remember that these conversations have to be ongoing and constant because violence inflicted by our police and our government will not go away until legislation stops them. It won't go away until we have all been heard. Hear and share what your favorite black artists have to say. Share their art and buy their music. Hire them for jobs in our music community and not just our music community. We are still seeing disproportionate representation across a variety of industries. And not just representation, but inclusivity too. Because that is a whole other game. And that is so important. You don't just diversify your scene or your spaces. You make it inclusive and you make it actively anti-racist. I encourage you all to donate to nonprofits in the show notes, to sign petitions, to provide whatever resources you can to these communities and protesters on the ground. And don't forget the people we've lost. Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Sean Reed, Stephen DeMarco Taylor, David McGatty, and countless others. We remember them and we fight for them. 
not just in this moment, but until justice is served and our law, our law enforcement system is replaced. Thank you so much for listening. And now I'd like to move into this week's guest. I'm joined by Sarah of Pity Party, who put out an impactful record with her band's new release, Concrete. The record chronicles moments of pain and empowerment, of pushing back against misogyny and confronting trauma from abuse. Sarah is an incredible resource as she's helped create opportunity for her students as a teacher and a counselor. Her goal is to help provide healing and platforms for marginalized voices and youth. This week, she joins to share the origins of Pity Party, how she's empowered herself, her goals for her community, and more. So with that, let's listen to some more Pity Party and then get into the interview. Welcome, Sarah, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going for you? Things are going good. I just got to go on a walk and hang out with a dog, so pretty great. How about yourself? Uh, Pretty good. You know, I've been doing my other favorite kind of DIY lately around my house, so trying to pass the time here, so, but all things are good right now, that's for sure. Great. 
Yeah, yeah. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, I have been digging Pity Party for some time now, and uh, I, I, I got even more stoked when I saw y'all are playing Fest again this year, so that's great. Yeah, hopefully, as long as we can all be really great about our shelter in place and make right. it doing good social distancing and being safe in this time of pandemic, then Fest is totally going to happen, hopefully. Right? I'm like sitting here crossing my fingers like, please, please, everybody, especially Florida, do not fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, Florida might be the place. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Well, even hopefully if bands are, you know, lifted that people are still being safe and still, you know, wearing masks and maintaining distance. Right. It's so important to me. I know it's just just for the sake of other people, even that are immunocompromised and shit, it just matters to look out for everybody. It's like, just because something doesn't impact you doesn't mean it, you know, can't impact somebody else. Yeah, I'm having to learn how to be really safe because um, I do few, like food distribution, um, mm-hmm. and technology distribution to the families within my school district. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this last week we cleared, um, I think it was a hundred, I think we did a it was a hundred thousand meals. Or wow. It was so many. It was either a hundred thousand or it might've been a million that we cleared. Wow. Um, yeah. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like, yeah, I, I get really worried. Um, I think in like hyper safe because of that. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I don't want to like infect every meal that I'm handing out. Right. No, that's so smart. And it's important. Cause you know, Uh, you told me before we hopped on this call that you like, you know, you work with kids in the education system and stuff. So like for you to be so protective of them and their families is super important. Yeah. And it's the only way that we're going to, you know, be able to make it out of this and like get to see the other side is Mm -hmm. we're all all working together. Absolutely. Well, you're based out of like the Oakland area, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Oakland. That's awesome. Have you lived there your whole life or did you move over there? Yeah, I've lived here. So I've lived in West Oakland, which is like the neighborhood that I live in uh, mm-hmm. for about eight years now. And I grew up, I grew up like 15 minutes away from here. Um, oh, cool. So yeah, I've like, I've essentially been here my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. I lived in Santa Cruz for a little bit, but, but I, I definitely, especially now working in education here, it's like, I see myself being here for a long time. I That's really so awesome. Yeah, totally. I I, I get that. I had that attachment kind of like sentimental feelings about where I live here in Florida too. Honestly, like it's just when you find your right home, it's your home. (laughs) Exactly. And especially like when you find the ways that you can like kind of like work with your community, it's like it really becomes, you know, it becomes hard to think of anywhere else as like a place to live because you just like become so attached and involved in your community. Definitely. Well, you seem like somebody who really values community from whether it's like your work, the ways that you volunteer and like even just your involvement in music too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really grateful. I definitely feel like a lot of um, gratitude for, for my abilities to be involved. Cause I know that like a lot of that comes with just like, you know, having the privilege of time um, mm-hmm. and having, you know, the privilege of letting my work be able to um be like you know touching the families within the community Mm -hmm. Um, I feel really grateful that I'm able to work in a role that allows me to really interact with the community that's so cool well let's talk a little bit about you and your beginning with music when did you kind of first begin to play music I wow I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question really (laughs) yeah this is the first time um I have played, music is really important to my family. Uh, my grandparents were immigrants here. They, 
both like both sides of my family um, have like a heavy musical influence. My grandma, um, she spent like all of uh, World War II running from Nazis and she speaks every language ever. So wow. when she came here, she was uh, hired as an opera translator. Wow. Uh, and so like, it was basically like from age five, everybody, my grandparents were like really into like, everybody has to play an instrument. Um, and so we all started with piano. Um, and then I started playing flute in middle school or actually in elementary school. Um, and that was actually how I made like a lot of my friends was through school band. Um, and then I went through, you know, my rebellious teenage phase. So I learned the guitar. Um, <laughs> and I also like, I, it's funny because, and this is probably the worst thing I'll ever say on a podcast, but um, my roommate had asked me the other day, he's like, why did you learn how to play guitar? And I was like, to impress girls. <laughs> like it's always been, like now obviously it's like it's an expression and it's like uh, this amazing thing that I'm so grateful that I've been like given the tools for and that I've yeah. learned how to do. But like, like I totally like I feel like I had the same reason as every 14 year old boy when I was like, <laughs> I just really like want a girlfriend like I was like that's how you it I works wanna, <laughs> it does work <laughs> but there's so much more beautiful things to learning how to play the guitar you figured that out along the way <laughs> yeah, along the way even if the reason that you start is the most noble that's so fantastic. I love it though. Um, were there any musicians or artists that you were listening to as you were playing guitar and figuring it out that got you really excited or motivated to just like, yeah, I want to, I want to learn how to play music and write music. Yeah. Um, I would say, so, I mean, obviously I'm literally looking at my t-shirt right now, but like every time that I think about who has most impacted me obviously it's Brody from the distillers like mm -hmm. seeing her and watching videos of her um, as a young person was so empowering to just like watch this you know young woman rock and have these like I mean she is so she's just so passionate um mm -hmm. and then you know being young and being really like romanticized with the whole like punk rock um, mm -hmm. aesthetic and like seeing her liberty spikes like I felt like really excited um to like have this person that I felt like I really looked up to mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah uh I feel like when you find that one central kind of like figure who just empowers you especially when you're learning how to play music it's like the next level you just, everything just kind of starts to click into place I'm sure too yeah yeah, and we've been super lucky that we've gotten to do a couple uh, distiller sets. Uh, last year at Fest, we got to do one too. And so oh, yeah. Like, sets and like pretending to be Brody is like <laughs> a dream. It's so fun. I love that. Yeah, I'm sure. Because it's like, when it, especially whenever you get to cover that person too. That's that's fantastic. Is there any like um, particular parts of maybe like Brody's performance and mannerisms do you kind of like lean into? Um, I feel like, I, that's a good question. I, wow, that's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he definitely taught me, um, so like I listened to an interview when I was younger that was like, um, so Brody had learned to play guitar from her uncle mm -hmm. and he had like taught her that you can only ever downstroke. 
like nothing but downstrokes. And so for so long, that was like the aesthetic that I like, I was like, my guitar playing is only good if I palm mute and every palm mute is a downstroke, never like alternate picking. Um, and so I definitely like took that from her. Like I was like, oh man, I wanna be just like Brody. It sounds so much heavier when you just down pick. <laughs> That's so funny. Isn't it amazing how when you find out those kind of details, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I got to do that. (laughs) I'm just like her. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love it. So um, tell me about kind of like when you decided to kind of start playing in bands and stuff. Pity Party, was that your first band or have you been in others? Um, I've been in other bands, although before I never was in bands, um, that I like toured in mm-hmm. um, it was always like local shows um, and kind of like I always I guess before Pity Party and even in like the beginning of Pity Party I felt like I played um, what I would consider like through kind of the perspective I've gained as like I was the girl in the band mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was you know always expected to so like I had a two-piece once um, that was acoustic and it was like I was expected to play the ukulele and like, and do all of these things where it was like, um, like I was expected to be the girl role in dual harmonies. And mm. like, uh, very much felt that I kind of like played a role for people um, before Pity Party. And yeah. I feel like this is the first band um, that I feel like I've had like real autonomy um, in and just like, ability to like advocate for myself and like really understand what my intention is with the music Mm -hmm. yeah that it's interesting because it's like uh there's still that expectation I feel like in some bands where it's like oh yeah this is the girl's role to fulfill this and that and everything how did it kind of feel for you whenever you were like okay I'm starting my project these are this is the way I'm going to do things and I'm not going to be relegated to this like I guess uh the shape that it seems like other bands or even just the scene in general can sometimes try to like place you in um are you talking about like in reference to starting pity party yeah um well so that so pity party didn't actually start in a way where I felt like I did have like the ability I feel like pity party's like evolved into um something where I feel like I have a voice in oh okay Um, but like in our roots um in our roots, I do feel like we were still, like, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, um, that we were kind of, like, I, I feel like in our roots, like, I didn't necessarily have um, as much of, like, a place or a voice, um, mm-hmm. and that, like, my bandmates and the current members of Pity Party have done, like, a lot of, they, like, their advocacy, um, and like our adjustments as a band have been where I've like found my voice. Uh, oh, okay. Really been given like I feel like my bandmates have given me a lot of like um, space and just like a platform to express uh, the things that like the things that yeah that I want to and obviously like lyrically and musically um, I feel like I've had at least space to express myself through like always always having written the music um, mm-hmm. as far as like the like political um, expression or the um, community involvement that our band has. I don't feel like I've always had the autonomy and then I feel like recently, or not recently, but like within the last few years that like my bandmates have been so encouraging in that. That's really important. It's great when you find the right lineup that really just makes everybody feel empowered and able to kind of put 
um, even more power into their creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really great when you have like a lineup um, with like, like, I think the most important thing I've realized in the last five years is like making sure that everybody's intention is the same mm -hmm. um, and like making sure that um, every bandmate, you know, everybody that you are playing music with um, needs to be treating people with in the way that you will, you want to, because like you guys are a family and you're an extension of each other. And so like, and obviously you're spending, you know, months together on the road and it's like, you want to make sure that every person that you're traveling with, like has intention and kindness um, mm -hmm. and just like wants to work for their community. If that is your intention, because then you kind of like act as like a parallel group. Yeah, it's really important to have everybody kind of like on the same page with like the same intentions and messages too. Cause you know, you, you want to have that closeness to each other, but you also want to be able to like accurately represent each other in that way too. Absolutely, yeah. That's so cool. Tell me about how this kind of current lineup came together and um, maybe for you, maybe what makes your lineup feel so special to you now? Um, so we have our current lineup is... Um, so it's, it's kind of like, we have small adjustments. Um, we have, so Dustin, Bob, and I are on guitar, and then Kayla is on bass. Um, and Kayla has been like a longtime friend of ours, so it's really good to have had her join this year. Yeah. Um, last year. Um, but yeah, her first run with us, I think, was our Bad Cop, Bad Cop tour. And then it's just been like such a blessing to have her in the band ever since. Um, yeah, and I feel like, um, our lineup has really, I guess I feel a lot of gratitude as our lineup has come together. Um, because even though, you know, Dustin, Bob and I have kind of been doing this since the beginning. Um, it's just that everybody now really like, really cares for each other. Um, and it's, I guess like the fact that we've been together for so long allows us to really like understand the way each other works. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really good to it's really good to know that like we will kind of like always have solidarity with each other. I don't think I answered the question very well. I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I think you did a great. And like, honestly, it's really special whenever you're able to make those kind of connections and just kind of like genuinely care about each other. Um, how do you kind of like foster and build that relationship? I know every band kind of has a different way with how they kind of like bond and like connect with each other. Um. That's a good question because I don't feel like we always had this closeness. I mean, for us, it was bred in, um, I guess it, we had, I mean, we've had a lot of really like seriously traumatic events happen mm -hmm. um, within our band and like, you know, that are ranging of, of, you know, topic and severity. And so it's like having worked through so many things together um, and having like supported each other through so many things. Mm -hmm just that like we just have become family I mean it's been we've known each other for about six or seven years and we've been doing this band for about five years and it's like at this point you know we know like we've been through so much together that it's like we kind of like know how to predict everybody's like next emote or next mo like action or whatever the like the next thing is it's like mm -hmm. we're able to predict each other and like work together that's really special and it helps I feel like so much because then you can kind of like empathize and understand each other in ways that you know could otherwise be difficult you know absolutely that's so awesome so 
Um, I gotta say, I feel like Concrete is definitely one of your tightest records yet, and I can feel almost a bit of like your closeness and stuff as a band at this point. I'm kind of curious, like, how would you describe the sound that you currently have? Um, I would say Concrete is like, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but it feels like our most mature release. Mm-hmm. It feels like, um, so we got we got the pleasure of writing this record with, um, we kind of like, Dustin and I had written this record and then um, we sat with my friend Shannon who was staying at my house for a long time. Oh, nice. Um, and she added, um, like, she added uh, additional guitar parts to it. And it just feels like, yeah, it feels like our sound is um, is kind of like better, better representing like the sadness in our music but like still with like a uplifting tone because mm-hmm. I feel like before we were always like really bummer music but with like <laughs> the happiest sounding like pop punk behind it yeah uh, and now it feels kind of like like this this next record feels like a like it feels like a piece of like like a piece that we can like present moving forward like an entire piece what rather than like a bunch of pop punk songs that we throw together yeah, I feel like it. it's definitely very tightly written and put together. And I can kind of feel, um, I think, even more emotionally within the songs and stuff, what your intentions are. They match the lyrics so beautifully, I feel like. And all while still kind of living within that gorgeous space that is pop punk, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I felt really grateful to, um, <clears throat> this was definitely the most, like, autonomy that, I feel like I've ever had in um in a piece like mm-hmm. it was amazing to be able to you know sit and write the entirety of a song like sit and write the guitar and then write the lead guitar and then write the bass for it and be like I feel all these things that I wrote about and then I created an entire you know orchestration around it um whereas before you know there was uh kind of like we had had previous bandmates that wanted to do the writing and you know take control of things and so um, it feels really good to have been given the like given the space to and been I guess be given like the appreciation to like write an entire song and write all the parts of it and to have my bandmates say, you know, this is good and we're gonna produce this and put this out. Um, cause that is super powerful and exciting and felt really great. Yeah, it's gotta boost your confidence too, whenever it's like you've put all of this together and then to have it like embraced and celebrated by your bandmates too is just like gotta be amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. And especially like not having had that before, like with our previous members and having like a lot more resistance. Mm-hmm. Um a lot more resistance and you know, like you play guitar like a girl and like that type of stuff being said, it's like feels really awesome to be like you know, I play guitar like a girl and I friggin' rip. <laughs> I wrote this sick ass lead. Mm-hmm. And so like, that feels really cool to, you know, like reframe what those words meant to me and like, you know, be able to reframe like, you know, what what all of this means to me feels really good. Yeah, it's got to, cause it's like, I don't know about you, but I mean, there are people of course who are in um, pop punk that we grew up with and stuff. Like you mentioned Brody from the Distillers and like, uh-huh. I think of like Paramore, Flyleaf, a bunch of others and stuff. And like for me to think back on how, you know, this whole like playing and performing like a girl concept and stuff, how that impacted us growing up to where we like think about this stuff. I think to hear artists like you 
I got really excited because I'm like, that was the pop punk I needed as a teenager, you know? Yeah. And I think we have so many organizations like that I feel really grateful for um, that, you know, obviously like we had to find that empowerment ourselves as young people. Um, but I've been really grateful the last couple of years I've been working for an organization called Girls Rock Camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love everything that Girls Rock Camp is and stands for. But I think, you know, what is so amazing about it is that young women are, you know, young women and young non-identifying or non-male identifying people are really empowered to play music and make bands and get their music out there. And that is so unique because mm-hmm. that was not at all, like nobody told us as young people that it was okay to be raw and emote and, you know, like feel things and express them. Mm-hmm. And so like seeing all these young people, and, you know, I work with ages anywhere from like eight to 17. And it's like to see them at all different ages expressing themselves in amazing positive ways and saying the things that they want to say and not feeling you know not feeling like silence is so incredible yeah honestly I wish that more of those kind of resources existed when I was younger because I probably would have like felt more empowered and like able to kind of start learning to play just rock music in general and everything I think I was so intimidated by it for the longest time because it didn't feel like there were enough people out there who looked like me who were trying to do it and then also having the resources to do it too. Well, and it's like, you don't even realize too how ingrained it is. Like it's like, yeah. you you know, it's like you watch your brother save up for an electric guitar, but you're mm-hmm. saving up for an acoustic guitar because that's what you're told you're supposed to play. You know, yeah. like, there's, there's so many different expectations that I feel like we're slowly kind of like, crawling out of as a society where we're getting to hopefully get to a point where there's no expectation. Right. Well, it's awesome knowing that there are people at you, people like you who are out there and like trying to kind of help empower that next generation to where hopefully they're not held to these ridiculous standards and boxes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. (laughs) I'd like totally dream we were trying to our intention um we had all these tours coming up and Mm -hmm. one of them was another u.s tour and we were in the process of um, securing all of our opening acts and they were all um either like bands with young women or girls rock camp bands um and we were really excited to have this you know headlining tour where every opening act was you know like a young person and it was like their first project and you know just how much excitement and passion that they had in it we were so excited to be able to share that and we still you know we will be rescheduling that one if it's safe to do so Mm -hmm. Uh, but just like really excited to see just to see how many people are out there sharing you know and are young and are being given the tools to share what they need to share yeah honestly that's so cool that you have that intention and like you know to get young people excited about learning and playing music and stuff and empowering particularly like you know women and non-men and stuff there's it's just like they need those stages and those opportunities and stuff and you know you're really paying it forward when you're able to have them do like an opening slot on your tour because it's like now the community will see them and they're going to start booking more and more local shows and be able to kind of like work their way through being able to grow within the way the music ecosystem works, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, and it's so great because like we've been doing that a little bit here with some of my students' bands, um, mm -hmm. with some of the younger bands in our community, and it's so great to get to see them, you know, get booked on other shows and open for touring bands coming through, and like just to get to see the ways that like you know once you teach a young person to like book a show or to like send an email, it's like then they have that tool forever, and that's really awesome. Like. Because that was, you know, obviously like one of the most confusing things of starting a band was like all of the, all of yeah. the little. You mentioned like stuff like sending emails and booking tours and stuff and being able to kind of like book shows. And I'm kind of curious, what do you think is like the most valuable lesson that you can kind of like pass on to like these students and stuff about like being involved in music? Um, something that, so something that's very often said to me is, and I hear this almost all the time at school is, Ms. Levy, I'm going to drop out of school and be a rocker just like you. <laughs> so, young people, uh, you actually need all of the skills that you learn in school to be able to be a successful rocker. Like, it's to travel a bunch. Like, you need to be able to send an email. Um, you need to be able to double check your links. You need to be able to be professional. You need to be able to organize a Google spreadsheet and have all your tour dates like you know color-coded mm -hmm. um, there's so much to time management um, and to organizational skills and just like there are so many things that I feel like I learned um, in like my formative education and in college that I feel like have helped me so much as a touring musician so I always try to like impress like no you gotta stay in school like, <laughs> all this school shit is what matters like because it will help you no matter what like learning to work hard um is the thing you know that will make your band successful that's so true because all of the bands that are willing to put in the work and time and pick up new skills are generally the ones who end up like crushing it at some point in their career you know yeah I mean you either have to have like this is what I always tell people like you gotta have a shitload of money or <laughs> you have to have an insanely great work ethic and like you know if most of us don't have that option a so like option b is the winner that's so true Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, so uh, let's kind of turn our attention to maybe Concrete and stuff. This is a really amazing record. I feel like it's so powerful with all these themes of like confronting trauma, um, addressing issues around toxic masculinity, and like it feels like such a meaningful record. Can you talk about how you put it together and... Um, what this record maybe even means to you. Yeah, thank you so much for asking that. Um, the, so the process, I guess like the process of putting this record together um, came in like a lot of different ways. Um, I think like, so like, as you mentioned, like the record really um, circles material around uh, trauma and like specifically sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that you know, as I, um, as I was healing through my own sexual trauma and just like kind of figuring out, um, you know, how to cope through symptoms of PTSD, um, I really realized that there is like, that I was only ever feeling uh, worse. And I was like, I, I had no one I felt like to talk with about it. Uh, and I felt, I felt very alone. Mm -hmm. And I felt really, you know, guilty talking with others about it because I knew how badly it hurt me. 
um, to think about it. And I felt like if I put that on others, that it would be a really big burden to them. Um, and strangely, my solution was to lock myself in my room for four hours a day um, and sit and write this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really every day I would come home from teaching and I, you know, would finish my grading and then I would sit and I would write until, you know, 11 or 12 or 1. Um, and I would just record what I wrote. And, you know, even if it sucked or was meaningless or it was just like the thoughts in my head and it, none of it rhymed or sounded good. Um, I recorded it every day um, for months and then kind of we came together um, as a band and we kind of sifted through all of the material that I felt like was a reflection of the things that I've been through. Um, and we kind of figured out the best ways to orchestrate it. Some of the songs had been, you know, completely arranged uh, beforehand and some of the songs, um, you know, the material, like the, the lyricism was together and then we wrote the songs going forward together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the record was definitely um, like a really big way. I kind of felt like writing it. I was like, I will write this record and then I can like say goodbye to this piece of my life. Um, mm-hmm. And then as we know, like coping through trauma, like you don't, there, it's not linear and there's no point that you get to that's the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I think being in the studio and recording, I felt like I was going to have this like giant moment where I was like free from it. And I never thought about it again, where I felt like, you know, I felt like okay with everything I had been through. Um, and that moment never came. Um, but I think that like the process of, you know, writing this record gave me the ability to communicate with my bandmates and be honest and be raw with them um, and advocate for what I needed. Mm-hmm. And that was really incredible to like learn that I could, you know, be going through things uh, and not just be a caretaker, but to be taken care of. Um, and that was like really big for me. Yeah, I can imagine so, honestly. And thank you so much for sharing this with me and the listeners, because like, um, it's so difficult when you're, whenever you've experienced a trauma, because it's, it happens. And then it's something that you have to kind of find your own way to heal from. And it's so incredible to me that one, you were able to kind of transform this into art that will help yourself as well as others, but also the fact that you felt comfortable and safe enough with your bandmates. And frankly, with everybody who's going to listen to this record to share these pieces of your experience, it's just so powerful. Yeah, our intention is just, I think the intention like before, I mean, before even writing this record was just like, how do we help other people feel less alone through their trauma? And like, we started doing that through tabling resources at our shows uh, and connecting people with local organizations, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, through trying to train people on bystander intervention, but definitely hoping that, you know, that the material of this record is able to, to touch people in a way that helps them feel less alone. Yeah, definitely. And like one of your singles that you released, I actually had the pleasure of putting it out through the alternative empathy. I love the video for it. And I feel like the subject matter is so fantastic because I feel like you're able to kind of just push people to be just emotionally aware and cognizant of others' experience and stuff. And I think that's so amazing. Can you talk about that song? Yeah. Um, so I wrote that song. Um, I actually wrote that song while we were on tour, I think two years ago, uh, maybe, or last year, but um, it was definitely, it was kind of like a reflection of, you know, what do, 
you know, obviously like going through trauma and then having, I had a kind of unique circumstance where my trauma was really related to touring because I was assaulted many times on tour. Mm -hmm. Um, And so feeling those feelings, even though I was safe on tour, when I wrote this song, it was like feeling constantly unsafe made me feel so confused. I was so, you know, vigilant and just like very um, on edge at all times that I, I guess like that's, that's where empathy came from was I was, I was so confused about why I felt all of these things and it wasn't at a point where I had communicated um I guess communicated my feelings completely with my bandmates yet Mm -hmm. um and so it kind of touches on you know like what what it feels like to watch people watch you be harmed and have them not do anything um and that's I guess that's what that that song is about is like you know asking for empathy from from the person that harmed you asking for the people that are around you to step in, but not knowing like how to find those words. Um, and yeah, empathy came from kind of the feeling of feeling really alone and mm-hmm. wanting others to help. Definitely. Yeah. If anything, I felt like it was such a good call to arms in a way to others around you to just be more aware and understanding of the fact that people around you are going through traumas and stuff. And there are moments where you can intervene and you can help and just be like, emotionally intelligent to recognize like okay this is inappropriate the way that this person is being treated whether you know them or not you know yeah yeah and I I feel like there are so many things that that can be done and they're they're so simple and it's just I feel um I feel really grateful that you know like we we kind of all have have been able to act in ways to keep each other like to keep others safe on board yeah that's so crucial. Wow. Well, um, I'm glad that you were able to open up to us as listeners and, and the band too, to kind of like share this experience. Cause I think, um, it's so easy. I'm sure whenever you're in like this busy high energy situation to, for people to kind of just tune stuff out and it's super important for them to pay attention and be aware, you know? Yeah. And I think just like what I've learned, um, especially through like hosting and touring like hosting shows and touring and you know through every part of being in the music scene is that really small actions can make a world of difference oh yeah even if it's just yeah as simple as I've seen before like somebody just getting yelled at and I often will often at least like walk by and repeatedly walk by to make it clear I see what you're doing kind of thing and that'll get somebody to back off you know that kind of stuff even you know yeah yeah and like it can you know like putting yourself physically in place or putting right just in a way that de-escalates the situation there's so many mechanisms of intervention that are just like you're able to still be comfortable um and safe and like still help somebody else and so I think that it's really important for for everybody to have those skills absolutely well it's so great that you're sharing that kind of stuff with everybody um, and I feel like, you know, with such a heavy and important song, you did a really kind of fun video juxtaposed with it and stuff. I loved it. Cause it felt like, um, multiple take murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It totally is. And we actually, um, I'm a super huge, like crime junkie fan. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm big into crime junkie. I love that podcast so much. But, uh, <laughs> Um, actually made these like murder mystery boxes that people and we're going to release them soon Um, but it's like 
a fun like game box that you can like play with your roommates or your family and it has like all this evidence in it um, and these like community interviews and a little guide that helps you kind of like track the evidence and solve the murder of like, oh. um but yeah you get to read through I wrote like a or not I wrote there's a real coroner report uh from this totally real murder that happened <laughs> what uh, no but there's totally not a real coroner report but I wrote like a coroner report and like all this stuff and there's all these like cute little evidence things so you can solve the murder at home of who murdered bob oh my god that's fantastic i love it that's so creative i'll totally mail you one soon oh my god i love that yes that it just looked like the most fun thing i love it there's going to be a take-home version of that Yeah. yeah we wanted to like i mean we figured everyone's so bored right now it's like as many things as people can do to be distracted or just like have their time taken up with fun things. That's like kind of what we want to do. So that's why we've been trying to put out a bunch of videos as well. I love that so much. Well, it looks like you're having a lot of fun putting that stuff together too. Cause like that video was so entertaining, honestly. Yeah. It was so much fun to make. We had such a great time. I actually came from, uh, Bob had gotten a bunch of parking tickets in our tour van. Oh my gosh. So I had gone and paid them all the day before we sat down with um, with our friend that had made the video and uh-huh. he had a completely different plot line that he had like given to us. Uh, uh-huh. And I was like, well, I'm pretty mad at Bob right now. So like, what if the whole video was just us murdering Bob in different ways? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I guess we could do that. And I was like, no, I really want to do that. Like, I think we definitely need to do that. <laughs> and, that is how the video came with Bob got a bunch of parking tickets. In the <laughs> That's so amazing. And it looked like Bob was a good sport about it too. Yeah. And an amazing actor. He's <laughs> the most talented. I am definitely the least talented actor of all of us. And he's like, could take him a Grammy. Like he's killing it. Oh my gosh. I hope that there, I don't know if there is like a, like MTV, DIY kind of situation of where we could have videos compete across DIY but I don't know that could that could be a best actor award right there also somebody needs to invent that like DIY's version of like the MTV music awards but just for DIY (laughs) and have like uh instead of having like a red carpet have just like a trail of like beer cans and like (laughs) Just line it with like PBR and like. (laughs) (laughs) I am so down. This should be hosted at Fest. It'll be so easy to gather those cans there too. Oh my gosh. Should we put this together this year? Have like our unofficial Fest MTV Awards. (laughs) I am so down. That would be fantastic. I can already think of like a dozen videos that should be there too. (laughs) Put your nominations in. We'll generate a website later. Oh my God. If Tony Weinbender's listening, please take, take our idea. This is hysterical. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) I I, I love all the videos that you do too, just because I feel like they help, um, they kind of help make it easier to digest a lot of the heavy stuff that you do have on this record, honestly, because I know that you dropped also just like videos and uh stuff around songs like masculinity as a prison and stuff too that's a fantastic song um what was it like for you to kind of put that one together 
Um, the video for that was really fun. We actually recorded that at Fest last year um, in the Holiday Inn parking lot. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, but we just, um, we met with our friend Drew um, like a couple hours before our set. Mm-hmm. And we had had this intention of picking up different bands and having it be like a fun karaoke video. But then we were just having so much fun driving around and like playing in the back of a minivan that we were like, well, we'll just keep doing this. <laughs> but that works. It was very painful though. I would say like I was very heavily bruised afterwards. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that's a small space to kind of be even fake jamming, you know? Yeah. Well, and I will say that we were we were driving very fast. <laughs> we were driving very fast. And then people would walk through the parking lot. And we'd like all of a sudden slam on the brakes and it was like super intense to try to play guitar sing and stand like while all this is happening oh my gosh that's so wild yeah I abandoned the guitar after like the second take I was like this is not worth breaking my guitar right now no oh my gosh yeah not that weekend either for sure (laughs) wow this is amazing see this is why um this is the little details that I love hearing about after fest because it's just like you know, you never know what all these bands are up to, I feel like, throughout the entire weekend. I mean, yeah, you'll see people, of course, going to sets and everything and playing their sets. But it's like, oh, yeah, but there was this one band, Pity Party, and they were filming a video <laughs> riding around in the parking lot. I love I that. That, weird. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is so amazing. And wow, I, I love it, especially the subject matter of that song, too, is just, again, super important. Definitely. Um, and I don't know, I, I could keep rattling on and on more about what I love about your songs and the subjects and stuff that you cover here. But I'm really curious, maybe what's your favorite song on the record? Or maybe what's the one that makes you feel the most like empowered? Well, that is a good question. I have not really thought about that. Um, I think that the one that is my favorite to play and I think makes me feel the most empowered. Um, we've been playing this record live for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but would be the outro. So the outro of the record is called Respire. Yeah. And we haven't released it yet, um, but I'm sure there are live videos and there's some, you know, small clips of it on our social media. Um, but the song is really, it's a really simple song. Um, mm-hmm. And we always end with it. Um, and it's, definitely like the most emotion I've ever had behind the song um and the end of it it's just like a big instrumental outro yeah it just feels really good to get to you know like to get to play um I guess to like really express all of that emotion and then end with this big outro and like be able to you know like hit my guitar as hard as I want to um, and really just like everything else falls away in that moment. And mm-hmm. that's definitely my favorite song um, to play on the record. And I think uh, my favorite song to like, I guess my favorite song is like a complete piece would maybe be Temperance, which we released yesterday. Yeah. But Temperance is, yeah, one of my favorite, just like, it was really fun to record it. And we got to do a lot of things with the song. And I think that it's one of my favorite songs on the record. I love it. Yeah, honestly, it's like I was 
I, I don't think I can pick a favorite song on your record either, just because I feel like there's so many that just have so much impact in different ways. And it's like with every listen, it'll hit something, some part of it will hit a little different, you know, like sometimes don't tell anyone will just like punch or like, you know, empathy, I think is always going to be something that strikes me, but you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic what you're able to accomplish here. Thank you. Oh yeah, we renamed. I think I sent you the the original track, but we renamed "Don't Tell Anyone." Um, oh, really? Fester. Yeah. What's it again? I'm sorry. Fester. Oh, Fester. Okay, okay. I love that. Yeah, like I think I really liked having because we've always had joke names before, and this was like the first record we didn't have joke names for our songs. Yeah. Thing with like the the one. I mean, except for masculinity to the prison, which is not a joke name because it is a prison, but. Mm-hmm like the only fun name in the song or in the record yeah but I like keeping it with like this one word that kind of like summarizes the song like apathy mm-hmm. uh fester push is like all these like one word I love that yeah I feel like it's going to be such a really great just like emotional ride for so many folks too because these are states or their feelings and stuff and they're it's interesting to kind of um almost explore that emotional process that kind of like you've had or like understanding um the experiences or like needs of others you know yeah yeah and I wonder how because I feel like the record is kind of like I traveled through the different parts of you know of feeling um feeling the emotions of trauma and then like feeling you know trying to heal um and it kind of walks through a lot of different pieces of you know what going through it looks like and then what the other side looks like and I wonder if people I hope that people will be able to relate to the parts of it in positive ways and find like positive um, messages to take away from it absolutely I I definitely think that'll be the case did you kind of intentionally structure it in a way to kind of to where from beginning to end you can kind of go through the kind of emotional cycle if you will um I wouldn't say that it's like structured uh, with that emotional intent, like, I think that I could have put more intention behind, like, it being a process, mm-hmm. um, but I think that the record kind of goes through, goes, like, through this, like, up and down process um, mm-hmm. that really, like, replicates what it, you know, it's like, it was kind of, like, what it honestly felt like in that time of, like, the up and down where there are days that, you know, you feel free and days that you don't feel burdened, and then there are days that feel, you know, terrible, and you're stuck in your head, and you have flashbacks yeah. all day. Um, and so I think like the record follows, you know, what nonlinear healing looks like. That's so accurate, honestly, for whenever you do have that kind of experience. So it really isn't linear and, you know, whether it's days, weeks, months, years, whatever, it's like you, you experience it differently day to day and you experience, um, whether it's the trauma itself or the healing in different ways throughout that entire time, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, the, the biggest thing that I hope that, like, structuring the record in this way helps people feel is that, like, even, you know, even if it is years or, you know, however long from your experience that you should never feel guilt for feeling however you do feel because there's plenty of, you know, there's so many different emotions that surround trauma and there are so many ways that it comes back to you. And I think that, like, if, if one thing hopefully people feel is that, like, they understand that they there's no shame and or guilt in you know healing and there being so much time and effort being taken into healing because that's the actuality of what it looks like to come out of the other side of trauma 
Absolutely. Wow. That's really well said. Um, so I know you just shared that kind of with me in a sense of like, you know, hoping people understand the way that healing can kind of work and stuff, but I'm curious, what else are you really hoping that your listeners get out of concrete as a record? Um, well, I'm hoping that it empowers other people to express their experiences. Mm-hmm. Because I think that although earlier I spoke on the fact that, you know, creating this record wasn't like the, the, the end all be all of like healing through my trauma, mm-hmm. uh, that creating this record did give me the, the need to care for myself and the need to, you know, that I don't have to sacrifice myself uh, mm-hmm. to, to be able to help others. And that actually part of helping others is caring for myself and, it's, you know, moving out of the house that I was assaulted in and, finding a new life and like being able to take care of myself and I'm really hoping that 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 message is given to people too that like you can express you know like you I guess like you should really um feel empowered to like express your experiences or just do whatever will help you feel some type of solace with them um but yeah that's fine That's amazing. Well, I know that that's something that I experienced definitely listening to your record. I hope everybody listening has that experience too. It's so important and I appreciate it so much as a listener. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think that there's, there's definitely like a lot of of growth and like, you know, movement forward to be done, but hopefully that, that it does, yeah, it does touch people in like, in a way that feels, you know, like it's transformative and everything too. Absolutely. And I really appreciate how much emphasis you put on sharing resources, sharing, um, whether it's in relation to this or just it seems like in general when it comes to independent music and stuff, because you have this background in education that being kind of like your primary career outside of music. Um, and you're able to kind of like take those tools and kind of help build up others and everything um, and share these really important resources and stuff. I'm kind of curious, like, are there tools that you kind of bring from your experiences in classrooms and educating that really help um, enable your ability to share resources or whether it's in relation to like you know trauma but also um whenever it comes to like other stuff that are just as important like being able to share the ability to make music or the ability to kind of just like foster community stuff like that yeah I feel like um I feel like my experiences in education have given me a lot of like growth um Mm -hmm. as far as like my abilities to um, communicate mm-hmm. and just like wait will you okay I'm so sorry will you repeat the entire question and I know it's like a super long question but then I like followed half of it and then I like didn't keep following the rest of it <laughs> oh no that's okay I'll try to see if I can find a shorter way to kind of ask it actually um so like how how has being an educator helped you when it comes to sharing like resources and like things that are impactful, whether it's in relation to trauma or like being involved in music or anything really? Um, so I guess that um, my, like the current way that we distribute resources is actually really 
um, inspired by my students. So I, my first year teaching, um, I taught in, we have, we're a community school, this is the school that I teach at, we have pathways. Um, and so I taught within the health academy um, and we have a health fair every year. And my students were doing, this was actually, you know, really soon after um, I had, you know, uh, it was very soon after I had given, um, I guess after I had like my rapist out of the house um, mm -hmm. and had to use the band. Um, and my students were doing their health care project on sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, every student was required to have an activity. And they were like, Miss Levy, we can't think of our activity. Like, it seems really weird to have an activity around this material. And I was like, well, I think you're right. But I think that you can put together resources within the community and then put together a zine. And then everybody who visits your table at the healthcare can pick up a zine and then they'll have the ability to help themselves once they've left. Mm -hmm. um, after I did that with the students, we together made this really sweet zine that I still table because um, they've given me permission to table it at our shows as well. Um, and it kind of, it kind of like kept that going. Like I realized I was like, wow, that, you know, that was a really easy um, and non-confrontational mechanism towards helping people. Like obviously you know, intervening is helpful and like being able to be supportive um, of people emotionally is helpful, but even being able to give people like a non-confrontational mechanism of support mm -hmm. um, really helpful to people that either feel guilt in accepting help or feel, you know, any type of, any type of emotion around their trauma. It's like to give them something that doesn't feel any type of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, really great. And so after realizing that through like collaborating with my students, I was like, this is something we can do super easily and like hopefully, you know, help as many people as possible. And so I think our libraries like, 10 different zines now and they have varying materials but every time we're on tour I write a new zine um, and a lot of them are really often actually like skills I've learned in therapy or things that have helped me um, I'll just put them into like a cute digestible format and then realizing that like if, if people can if people want to like read it and it looks cute then I will help people. That's so cool I love that you're able to kind of like bridge those two really important areas of your life and use that to really help other people and provide resources, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely like, I feel really privileged um, to be able to like help my students through their experiences. Cause I think it gives me like a better toolbox um, to like counsel and help others that are like in crisis on tour. Um, and just like feel really grateful that like, kind of like the skills that I need to help my students very much parallel the skills that I would need to support other people like in the music community. So I feel like I'm really privileged to like be able to generate those skills through my work. Wow, I love that. You're the coolest for being able to kind of just continue to do that positive work and be able to help others like that. That's just awesome. You're awesome. My students are the coolest though. They're so great. Like I think that I wouldn't feel like I had all of this like boundless energy to do this if I wasn't so inspired by the ways that they help each other and the ways that they care for each other. Wow, I love it. Well, thank you, Sarah's students for keeping up this. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I shouted out a couple of them on the back of the vinyl. So oh. some of my graduating seniors get mentioned by 
by first and last name because they've done a lot to help their communities and I really wanted to acknowledge that. That is so freaking cool. I've never heard of anything like that before. So wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to like let them know that they're appreciated because I think that like especially right now it's like really hard um, for a lot of young people to feel validated in the things that they're doing. Yeah, I'm extremely like empowering and helpful and so I want to give them that validation. That's so awesome. I love that. I love it. Um, Because yeah, they're putting in a lot of work, whether it's in their education, or you've taught them also how to kind of like be a part of a community too. So it's, that's just incredible. Yeah. And even like, right now, like helping themselves is, you know, like anybody that's able to do things to care for themselves. And then like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have a bank of energy afterwards to put it outwards, like, yeah, that's just the most amazing thing because I know that people are feeling very drained right now. Right. Yeah. No kidding. Honestly. Um, I know that we're kind of living in challenging times right now and, you know, everything's kind of up in the air, but I'm kind of curious too, with this record dropping, is there anything else that you're kind of like working on as a band this year, or do you have any goals that you'd like to kind of try to tackle in, in this time? Um, well, we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of things planned for the year and it was going to be uh, a really exciting year and a really like a year where we were going to travel to a lot of new places and we had a lot of really exciting tours planned. Um, mm-hmm. But in the current circumstance, um, obviously everything's, you know, very flexible. Um, and our interest is just to kind of be here and care for others. Um, I'm really excited to kind of like be a part of whatever this change looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to try to, you know, like help, just help it be as positive as it can be. Um, but yeah, every goal that we did have um, for the year, you know, we always meet at the end of the previous year and we plan out our next year. Um, yeah. That we had set in place for this year, um, you know, that we had planned has obviously changed. Um, but we still want to kind of be able to do, to be able to do the same thing. So hopefully it. Um, you know, we'll still be putting effort in, but it will look different. So instead of, you know, going on tour to Europe and going um, touring the States and doing our Australia tour that we have planned, uh, we'll be staying at home and generating a website of all of our resources um, and a bank that people can add their own resources to, um, just so that hopefully we're going to kind of try to organize all of the community outreach that we've been trying to do. and just stay, you know, kind of keep all those parts that we can affect uh, as like efficient as possible. But, and then hopefully get to tour <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I love that you're still gathering resources and trying to put stuff together to where people can access it. That's so crucial. Um, well, if you have a link, we'll definitely include that in the show notes and stuff. So that way everybody can see what you've got out there. Thank you. Yeah, the intention is just, especially like while people are stuck at home, I think it's to just like give everybody some piece of something that will help them because we know that people are, you know, we know what it's like to be stuck in bad situations and I can't imagine what it must be like right now to be Mm -hmm. stuck at home with your abuser, to be stuck in a bad situation. Um, And we just want to do everything that we can to help. I don't know if it, um, the point of this podcast release, uh, if it will have already been used, 
Um, but I have currently like a $600 scholarship fund for anybody who is trying to leave an abusive situation. Um, I've been posting about it on social media, but people can send me just a small, big message. You don't need to include any details, um, but if you need to be rehomed right now, I have $600 to pay a security deposit and whatever can go towards first concern. I know housing is expensive, but we're trying to encourage people to be able to leave those that's amazing. Yeah. Um, we'll make sure we include as much information as we can for that. Um, yeah, that's, that's very generous. And if anybody is listening, needs assistance, definitely Sarah's got resources for that. And we'll, we'll continue to share that kind of stuff. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I feel really privileged to like be working and have received a stimulus check. So I was like, what can I do with the stimulus check? I can hopefully like help give somebody the life that I feel like I've been given. And I feel like I really do have like a new life, you know, being stuck in a really bad circumstance for many years. And I really, you know, hope that whether it be our music or whether we can like financially help somebody that, you know, other people are feel empowered to leave their circumstance because I think for me, it felt like for years, it felt like I couldn't. um, And I really like, you know, the sooner that you can save someone's life, like the sooner that they go towards healing and that's like all we want. Wow. I love that. And that's so important. Truly. Thank you for all that you're doing. That's so important. It's so um, empowering for, I feel like, of course, victims of abuse, but also everybody else to rally and help in these circumstances. Yeah. And I think there's so much that people can um, do to help. And I think that like, you know, a lot of people feel like it. it is just, you know, it's just like over the internet or it's just, you know, in certain ways, but like we've kind of always been an action band and like, you know, our actions support our thoughts and we will always be that way. And sometimes it gets us into a lot of trouble, like fighting racists in Tucson, <laughs> Arizona, but, you know, <laughs> but like we feel like being able to, have actions that like support our thoughts is like really been I mean for me it's like saved my life because like I'm no longer in a bad circumstance and so we really hope that we can act to help other people instead of just you know opening conversation dialogue is really important but like actions actions definitely change change people's circumstance absolutely wow really well said well um, yeah, for everybody listening, please pay attention to Bitty Party when it comes to this stuff because they are a band of action and that's so important. Um, so one of the questions I like to kind of ask to kind of round out an interview, and this is a fun one. Um, if you could play a show with any three bands or artists, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Who would you want to have play? What? That's such a good question. <laughs> um, oh my God. Okay, well, so obviously the distillers, um, even though I submitted us for every single one of their opening shows. Yeah? Yeah, well, but they, oh, I wish. I just, I so badly wish. I still went to all of their local shows. <laughs> um, but definitely the distillers. Um, and then I feel like the thing that is really wild and like privileges but like I feel like we've played with a lot of those bands like you know my dream bill would be I guess the distillers um bad cop bad cop mm. 
privilege of touring with. And then Jawbreaker, who we got the privilege of opening for last year. Or this year, actually. Sorry, I forgot that it was this year. Wait, was it <laughs> I can't remember. No, it was last year. It was definitely last year. Wow. And so I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I've been really handed like a lefty deck of cards because all we got to do is throw the distillers in there and then I got my dream. So maybe <laughs> everybody should send a letter to Brody after they listen to this podcast <laughs> and ask if when the world opens up, if Pity Party could open for the distillers and then all of my dreams will come true. Um, and then I don't know, but I'll, I'll write everybody that writes a letter to Brody a handwritten thank you letter. <laughs> Everybody do it. We got to make Sarah's dreams come true because that's that's what we do here on this podcast. Every time I feel like I talk about people about who they'd want to do for their pick three, I end up finding out like a year or two later, they're getting to do these really awesome opportunities they've always wanted, whether it's opening for a band they love or going on some tour or anything. So this is your, this is your vibe. This is your vibe out to the universe. <laughs> Please, Brody, listen to this vibe. <laughs> I don't know what I would do if, if Brody was actually listening to this podcast. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I would be so excited. I waited outside of one of their shows for two hours to give her one of our records. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, and I hugged her and I cried so hard. That she is really, so amazing. She like watched me cry and I hugged her. Wow, I hope I hope she loved it. I really do. I love her so much. <laughs> That's so amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining and sharing so much of yourself and everything that went into your new record and so much more. Um, where can everybody keep up with Pity Party on the internet? Um, the best places are definitely going to be Instagram and Facebook. So check us out on Instagram at The Real Pity Party. Um, and I think Facebook is actually the same link. Facebook.com slash The Real Pity Party. And follow us on Spotify. Um, we're always, you know, dropping sneaky new things. And we definitely, even though, you know, we're about to release the record, we have a lot of new material that we've been working on and we'll continuously be releasing things that we hope will help. Awesome. I love it. Well, I'm so stoked for everybody to get to hear Concrete. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
heard Pity Party. Thank you so much to Sarah for sharing her experiences, music, and vision. Please be sure to grab concrete and share with everyone. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carla Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, and Sam Zorowitz. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and take action. Black Lives Matter. Bye for now. Thank you.